Let's turn our Bibles back to Romans chapter 8 in that 35th verse. And let's deal with two lists of things in the second assembly of our Lord's Day today. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You will be separated from the love of all others. That is why in wedding ceremonies it is commonly said, Till death do us part. But I am persuaded that neither death can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're not given in marriage in heaven. Except to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the lover of sinners will never be separated from us, nor us from him. We need to look at a few of these phrases. We have a list of seven things in verse 35. We have a list of ten things in verses 38 and 39. We already worked through the first part of verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can alter his love for us. It was set on us before the world began. He gave his life to prove how serious his love was. And it shall always endure because he sits at God's right hand ever living to make intercession for those he loves. We then have seven things that are listed. But the verse opened with a personal pronoun, who. But the seven things are not personal. Unless we combine the two to understand that those seven difficulties or troubles that can come in the life of a child of God are man-made and induced by the enemies of the saints of Jesus Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation that men send our way? Shall distress that men cause? Shall persecution that men raise against us? And nakedness and famine and peril and sword? No, and all these things were more than conquerors. Let's think about each of them for just a moment. Tribulation will not separate us. Tribulation are troubles and trials in your life. And these are man-made troubles and trials. It starts from the weakest and goes to the worst. From tribulations to sword. Where sword is a metonym for death by a sword. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ said about tribulation and persecution? In Matthew chapter 5, he said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Now, does that sound like things that are going to separate you from the love of Christ? When the Christ that loves you said, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for so did they to the false prophets that were before you. For so they, the prophets that were before you, rejoice and be exceeding glad because your reward is great in heaven. 
That doesn't sound like you're being separated from the love of Christ. It sounds like it's confirming Christ's love of you and that you're in good company and that you'll be in heaven with his reward. Jesus said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So tribulation isn't going to separate us. Oh, much more could be said about tribulation. But it's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. Distress won't separate us. Distress is when you're being pressed out of measure and your mind is being twisted by troubles and trials coming into your life. Paul said he was distressed but not destroyed. Cast down but not destroyed. Distressed but not in despair. The distress never fully got to him. He would have many things pressing on him, but they would not twist him and ruin his mind or his perspective or his faith. And so shall distress... Shall hard circumstances that really press our lives separate us from Christ? Oh, no. Oh, no. And those few saints that I read to you that gave their lives, were they in distress? They were distressed. But while they were in distress, did not know which way to run, did not know where to hide, did not know who their friends were, who their enemies were, that would turn them over to the authorities like that, did it separate them from the love of Christ? No. The Lord Jesus Christ still knew them, still loved them, and received them with open arms into heaven once their souls and spirits left their bodies. How about persecution? We can answer the same way as we did with tribulation. Persecution will not separate us from the love of Christ. In fact, it confirms that we are following Christ. Because 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you're, if you're suffering persecution, it's, it's evidence, it's good evidence, if it's for the right cause, that you're in Christ Jesus, not that you're being separated from His love. Right. How about famine? Man-made famine. Why is famine in this verse? Why is famine in the end of Romans 8? Why is it called a who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall famine. Did you hear the testimonies? And I didn't even look for them. But if you read through Fox's Book of Martyrs, you're going to read about the saints of God that were driven out of ordinary society to die in the wilderness of famine or wild beasts. Or cold. For the next reason. Famine. It's a man-made famine. It's the hunger that Paul had to endure because he wasn't supported enough by the churches and because he was tormented and chased from city to city without adequate provision. Famine. They were sent out there to starve. Because you could not buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Unless you were part of the beastly kingdom of Rome and its papal religion, you couldn't make economic transactions. And so many starved from famine. But while they were starving and didn't have food to feed their babies or children, and while their stomachs grew tight and hard, and while they grew weak, did that separate them from the love of Christ because men hated them that much? No. No. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? Nay, in all these things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. How can we be more than conquerors with famine? Because, brethren, when they starve us here, a table's being set for us in heaven. Is that more than conquer? Do you know what that table's called? 
the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise the Lord. They're starving us here so that we can eat better there. They deny us food here, and the Lord sets that table. Those poor martyrs that died of starvation eat to their fill the fullness of their souls at the marriage supper of the Lamb. How about nakedness? Did the Apostle Paul ever say he was naked? Inadequate clothing? Absolutely. Did Hebrews 11 tell us the saints of God have suffered from inadequate clothing? They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They didn't have nice clothing. They made do with whatever they could get. Whatever byproducts of slaughtering sheep they could get their hands on. They were destitute. Naked of clothing. Ah, Are we more than conquerors? When we're driven from society and can buy neither food nor clothing? At the marriage supper of the Lamb, you will be in a white robe of linen, which is the righteousness of saints by the Lord Jesus Christ. More than conquerors through him that loved us. Yes. Do you think the martyrs knew these verses? Praise the Lord. You know they did. They didn't worry about these things. How about peril? Did Paul say he was in perils of robbers? Perils of his own countrymen. Perils of other men. Perils, perils, lots of perils. Yes, he said that. But the Lord took care of him and delivered him. Perils cannot separate from Christ. Perils are all the dangers of trials, of torture, banishment, imprisonment, family separation, and such like. Does that separate from the love of Christ? What did I read to you last Sunday from Revelation chapter 1? I, John, who am your brother in tribulation, was in the Isle of Patmos for the word of God. And I heard a great voice behind me on the Lord's day. Does that sound like being separated from Christ or Christ coming to John while he was on the Isle of Patmos? Oh, perils don't separate us from the love of Christ. Those martyrs went straight into heaven, and they have a special place reserved for them. And Revelation 6 describes it as being under the altar of God. How about the sword? Where did James go in Acts chapter 12, after the first couple of verses? Where did the spirit of James go? To be with the Lord. Because the Apostle Paul explains to us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. James went straight to be with the Lord. Now does that separate? Can death or the sword, death by the sword separate us from the love of Christ? No! It takes us to Christ. That's being more than a conqueror. There's wicked men who would grab their sword and slash the head off a woman accusing her of being a heretic Because the devil that sat in the seat of Rome told them that they were heretics on their way to hell. And they would slash off that head of that innocent creature who had only professed her love for Jesus Christ and denied that Mary had any intercessory work at all in her salvation. Did the sword separate her from the love of Christ? She sprang straight into heaven. Praise the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches us. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Never. You've read these words a thousand times. When was the last time you were naked? 
threatened with naked, or fear of being naked? When was the last time you were dying of starvation? That you would be so worried about it that it might separate you from the love of Christ. That it would even be a thought in your mind. None of these things separated them from the love of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, like with Stephen, a sword wasn't used, but stones were used, stood there because he was going to receive Jesus. And that's just what Stephen prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Did Lord Jesus hear that prayer? Yes. Was it answered? Yes. The Apostle Paul would speak about him later. Thy martyr, Stephen. Because Saul of Tarsus was sitting by keeping the coats during that terrible event. Romans 8.35 Brethren, let's argue from the greater to the lesser, ourselves. If these things can't separate these people from the love of Christ... Can the little things that you worry about separate you from the love of Christ? No. This is arguing from the greater to the lesser. The martyrs are greater Christians than we are in some respects. But I will say, and I want to be understood on this point, the devil gave up on killing men's bodies because it didn't work. It made strong Christians. So now he goes after our souls with the bubbles and temptations of this world. And has it been more effective? Does it make weak Christians? They're all around us. They're among us. And we know it inside sometimes, don't we? We get carried away with the things of this life. The things of this life can separate our love from Christ. Because we get our love on this world. We become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But even in this life, if we fail... From time to time like that, we shall still not be separated from the love of God. Because we'll get to that in a moment. Thank you, Lord. Verse 36. The apostle explains what was under consideration in verse 35 by quoting from Psalm 44, verse 22, which we read earlier today. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. For those of you who really want to understand Romans 8, are you following with me? I am not trying to be dramatic by bringing up the martyrs and trying to force something into Romans 8 that doesn't belong there. Verse 36 explains exactly what's under consideration. Sheep for the slaughter, death, being at the door of these people, as it was in Psalm 44, as it was in the, in the days of Paul. Deaths, does Paul say, in deaths oft? Right. He was in fear of death often. For those of you that have little boys, get yourself a copy of Martyrs of the Catacombs and read that to them, rather than Superman or Spider-Man. Let them read about one of those martyrs of the, of the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. We have suffering in Romans eight seventeen and 18. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. That tells us that suffering's under consideration. Verse 26 tells us that infirmities are under consideration. Verse 36 tells us that slaughter and death is under consideration. That the word sword in verse 35 is not some metaphor that we can ignore or, or wonder. It's my hot water heater going out. It's the sword. The sword of high utility bills. The sword of my landlord. Oh, come on. 
Can't we grow up and get past kindergarten and be first grade Christians? First grade Christians understand that the weight that is on these verses are people who are giving their lives. And there was death and trouble and persecution and tribulations around them. Distress. They could count on the fact that those things would not separate them from the love of Christ. The first argument Paul raises to prove it is to quote from the Old Testament, what's happening to you is not new. What's happening to you is not new. It happened to the saints under the Old Testament. And you know God delivered them. And you know they're in heaven right now. The spirits of just men made perfect. The second thing he says is in verse 37. Nay. Translate that. That's no way. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. If we look at those things correctly, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved our souls. If we're naked here, He'll clothe clothe us there with the white linen of saints. If we're hungry here, He'll feed us the marriage supper of the Lamb. If we're distressed here, we're going to be in peace there. If we're cut down with a sword here and we overcome it by living a faithful life to the very end, we'll have eternal life forever. And I'll never blot your names out of the book of life. Be faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. life. How's that for being a conqueror? They think they're putting you to death. We spring into heaven and are given a crown of eternal life. That's the book of Revelation, the encouragement to the churches in chapters 2 and 3. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. The Lord Jesus Christ has so overruled all events that if God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall anything do our charge? Who can condemn us? What if these things happen to us? Should I be fearful? What if a person was at the stake and this happened countless times? Their family and their friends urging on for the flames to be lit and you're all alone with no one on your side. Would you be distressed? Would that separate you from the love of Christ? Read the historical account. Do you know what it says in Hebrews 11? They refused deliverance. Refused deliverance because they wanted a better resurrection. A crucifix in front of them. Kiss it and say the Pope is infallible and will let you live. Praise the Lord. Amen. They knew that the Lord Jesus Christ would stand with them and they were not afraid. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know how where I compare verse 37? I compare it up to blessing number 3 in verse 34, who is even at the right hand of God. I don't know if I could give my life as a martyr if the Jesus I knew about was just a baby in a manger without any clothes on in the middle of winter with a little glowing circle over his head. I don't, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could lay down my life as a martyr if the Jesus I was counting on was that long-haired hippie John Lennon standing in a door in a garden, banging at the door, begging to get entrance. I don't, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could give my life as a martyr for some Jesus hanging without clothes on a crucifix in a Catholic church. But I'll tell you, one that's sitting on a white horse, that John fell at his feet is dead in Revelation chapter 1, and a sharp two-edged sword is going out of his mouth, and his eyes are a flame of fire, and his white horse is dripping with red blood, 
and his name is called the Word of God, and he's called the faithful and true witness? Yes. With that, with that vision from God's words in my head, could we, would we, defy all men and principalities, devils and powers to lay down our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ? That's why we try to stress the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible gives us. Because the other one isn't very effective. Give me a real Savior. A real King. The blessed and only potentate. The one who opens and no man shuts, shuts and no man opens. The one who has the keys of hell and of death. And I am alive forevermore. The one whose voice sounds like the voice of many the noise of many waters. That's what I, when I look at there, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, do you know who loved you? It's a conquering prince, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is even. What's the word even there for? Because it's the highest, most extreme place that he could possibly be. After dying for us, after rising again for us, where is Jesus Christ? He is at the highest point in the universe that he could be put in. There's only one being above him, God Almighty. 1 Corinthians 15, 28. All things will be under the feet of Jesus Christ, but he'll be subject to God himself. Jesus rules over it all. On that basis, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Verse 38. For I am persuaded. If you're persuaded of something, then you are certain and absolutely assured of it. You are convinced and certain that it is true. Paul was persuaded that what he had committed unto Jesus Christ would be kept unto him against that day. He knew his soul and spirit were safe because he had committed them to the care of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have ten things here. I am persuaded that neither death. Death is the great separator. Till death do us part. Death is cold. Death is cruel. Death is the most certain enemy we have to all other love that we know. Death ends love. If your grandma loved you when you were a little boy, and she has passed, she don't love you anymore. In any way that the Bible measures, in any way that can help you, that love is gone. The love is a memory. Till death do us part. In marriage, in relations. But does death separate us from the love of God, our Father? No, not at all. When we get to heaven... If our grandmas and our grandpas are there, are we all going to love one another? Absolutely. But right now their love can't, can no longer touch us and help us. You know, Gramps and Gram, or Nan and Papa, whatever you called them, would do what they could for you here. Mom and Dad would do what they could for you here. They can't do any more after they die. We'll see them again in heaven. We'll spend eternity with them. It's going to be wonderful. Perfect love. No sin. But love is the great separ- I mean, death is the great separator. It's the great disruptor. It interrupts families. It interrupts relationships. It separates. But death is the doorway to heaven. For I am persuaded that neither... Look what he starts with. The last list went from the weakest to the strongest. Look at this list. I am pre- he doesn't start with life. He starts with death because we all know that death is a great interrupter and separator. But I am persuaded that neither death shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. 
We leave this body and we're with Him. Death doesn't separate us. Death unites us. Believe it. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. Jesus defeated death. He defeated the fear of death. So death is no longer the great disruptor or separator between God and us. But he also saved us from anything that can happen to us in our lives. If you're a melancholy or you even have a tendency to being one, life causes you to fret and worry about what troubles could come. Does that separate between God's love and you? Because you fret about what could happen, might come in the next one year, ten years, or fifty years? Life is filled with changes. Life has disappointments, disasters, diseases, failures, losses, troubles. But does life separate us from the love of God? Oh no! His son went through disappointments and troubles and losses in this world. But he's in heaven at his right hand forevermore. Life can't separate us. No matter what life throws at you. And you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We cannot boast of our lives. But the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us from those lives and will not be separated from the love of God. Our lives are so uncertain we can't even boast of tomorrow. You don't know where you're going to be working tomorrow, let alone next year. Right. You don't know what your health is going to be tomorrow, let alone next year. The worst news could be given to you tomorrow. We don't know what life's going to bring, but can it separate us? No matter, all this unknown, life is an unknown to us. But can it separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Never. I'm persuaded of it. Amen. Paul's life was pretty miserable. And his death was pretty miserable. But he ended up straight in heaven. And he knew what he had there waiting for him, a crown of righteousness. How about angels? Can angels separate us from the love of God? The good angels cannot and will not. For they're our servants. They're servants for the heirs of salvation. An angel's not going to try to separate the love of God from you. Do you know what the angels are doing about the love of God for you? They're looking into it and saying, what in the world? Look at the love he has for fallen sinner, sinful men. He didn't have any of that for our race. There was no love for fallen angels. So angels aren't going to separate us from the love of God. Angels look into it. They desire to look into these things. How about evil angels? Oh, they would if they could. But the next point is going to take care of them. Principalities. What's a principality? It's the ruler, the principal ruler of some state. It's a prince. Who, what does the Bible mean by principalities when it's not speaking about civil authorities? Sometimes it's speaking of civil authorities and it means princes or rulers, principal rulers in a political entity. Or it means the devils who are ranked by powers. We have principalities and powers, so make one civil, make one spiritual, make them both spiritual, make them both civil. It doesn't matter what you make them, because the Lord Jesus Christ reigns over all of them. He's the prince of the kings of the earth, and he has been promoted far above all principalities and powers of the spiritual realm. He's above them all. So it doesn't matter what you make them and how we divide up these words here. They're covered because Jesus Christ is over them all, who is even 
seated at the right hand of God. Because he's the conqueror of them all. So can, it, can the devil, can the devil take away the love of God for us? Not a chance. The Lord Jesus Christ already defeated him at the cross. He made an open show of him, triumphing over him in his death on the cross. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Jesus Christ defeated the devil, defeated principalities and powers. He's been promoted above them. They cannot separate. They, can, they aren't even allowed in heaven any longer to accuse us, because who shall anything the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. They would go there if they could because they can see our sinfulness. They can see our weakness. But they can't even get there because God justified us. And nothing can be laid to our charge. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. Your life may presently have some troubles in it. No matter how severe or how gripping, no matter how discouraging or painful, they cannot separate you from the love of God, nor things to come. You know, we worry about the future because we don't know it. He's got us covered, doesn't he? In these ten things, nor things to come. Because you don't know what's going to come. Something terrible could come. Let's let's imagine it's it's terrible squared. Can it separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus the Lord? Not a chance. The great God of heaven, he dwells and inhabits eternity. He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. He's the God of tomorrow. He's known what's going to happen tomorrow before he chose you in the book of life in eternity past. So not things present, nor things to come can touch our relationship with God, our Father, nor height. It doesn't matter how high you look to find something that could interrupt between God and you. If you go high enough, you're going to get into heaven, and God certainly isn't going to interrupt His love for you because it's an everlasting love. God is high above, but it doesn't affect His love. The Bible tells us God's in heaven and you're on earth, therefore let thy words be few. But God, that God in heaven is the one that has set his love upon us and will never withdraw it. There may be spiritual wickedness in high places, but it's no threat to his love. In fact, he's given us enough in spiritual armor that we can withstand in the evil day. And having done all, we can stand against that spiritual wickedness ourselves by his grace. If we're lifted up in honor, a risk to our souls, it doesn't affect his love for us. His love for us is still sure. Depth, nor height, no matter how high you want to think, high in your business, high in your family, high in your nation, high in the spiritual realm, doesn't matter. Nothing can separate us. How about depth? Let's get down to the depths. You know where the depths are? We're in them. We're on earth or in hell. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're conceived in the lowest places of the earth, just like wild asses colts. No matter how low we get debased or disgraced, no matter how lowly people think of us, no matter how lowly you think of yourself, it doesn't matter. Depth cannot separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, God chose the base 
things of this world. Amen. The poor to be rich in faith. Isn't that comforting? Amen. Do you know what you'd have felt like if you'd have had everything stripped away from you? Your family hated you. You had no assets, no clothes. Your belly was empty and they're condemning you to hell. And there's not a single soul to stand with you. Would you feel kind of low? Would you feel kind of low? Nor depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, in case you've got an active imagination and you don't think he covered everything in the first nine, he said, Amen. nor any other creature. Right. There is no other creature, thing, created by God that can separate God, you from God's love. And the martyrs understood that and we should understand that. If God has loved us so much, brethren, how much should we love him? There is a God in heaven. His son, Jesus Christ, is on his throne. They have set their love on us, saved us with an everlasting salvation. Nothing can be laid to our charge. No one can condemn us. What are you going to do for him? What are you going to do for him tomorrow on the job? What are you going to do for him today when you fly out of Greenville? What are you going to do for him today when you go home to spend this afternoon? What, what will you engage yourself in this afternoon and evening since he loves you so much and you cannot be separated from his love? What does he get from your heart and soul? What does he get from your mind? How about your lips, your hands? What does he get? We sing a song, I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given to me? I hope those words prick us, provoke us. I'm not giving as what I should, and I want to give more to the Lord Jesus Christ. For I am persuaded that those ten things shall not be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have been made accepted in the Beloved, and the Beloved is not going to lose his acceptance with God, and the Beloved is not going to let go of us. Do you know what he says in John 10? You're in my hands, and no man can pluck you out of my hands. And then in case that wasn't good enough for you, you're in my Father's hands, and no man can pluck you out of my Father's hands. Is that pretty good? Amen. Wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, when Abigail said to David, you're wrapped up in the bundle of life, but your enemies God's going to fling out. She wasn't, she wasn't speaking of what we're speaking of right now. She was speaking about King Saul suffering and dying by the Philistines, which he did, and David being kept as God's favorite. But you know what? We're wrapped up in the bundle of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians chapter 3, the first few verses. What are you going to give him, brethren? Is there any redundancy here? If you were, giving this paper, if you were scoring this paper or grading this paper, would you look at verse 35 and say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then look at verse 38, that we can't be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ. Is that redundant? Or is that gloriously repetitious to comfort us? Right. That Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, the mediator, loves us. And God, his Father, the infinite, eternal, invisible, immortal spirit, loves us as well. And we shall never be lost. They can torture us. They can pull us apart. We can be sawn asunder. We can be destitute and live in the caves of the earth, but we'll never be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All things work together for good to them that love God. They kill us, our spirits are with the Lord. They strip us, the Lord clothes us. They starve us, 
the Lord feeds us. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. What are they going to do to you tomorrow? Look at you with a funny face when you pray before you eat? Is that your biggest trial coming? We're pitiful. May the Lord help us to read a passage like this, hear it preached, revel in it, go home and meditate on it. Tell the Lord we love Him for all the love that He's shown us. Thank Him for the guaranteed promises. Do you love guarantees on good things that are given to you? You've never got a guarantee like this. We cannot be separated by anything. And if your mind is very creative, then just remember He said, No other creature shall be able to separate us. Believest thou this? Upon this foundation, we can build a solid and successful life. Do you wonder if you're God's elect? Then run to Him by faith. Run to Him by faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is indeed the Son of God. Love Him. Tell Him you love Him. Obey Him in everything that He's asked you to do. If you're not baptized, get baptized. Baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. What gives us a good conscience? These words. That there's nothing to be laid to our charge and no one can condemn us. That ought to give you a good conscience. And because of that, you should want to answer Him in baptism. If you're baptized, He tells you how to treat your spouse. He tells you how to treat your children. He tells you how to treat your parents. He tells you how to treat every other church member in here. If you run out, if you sneak out the back door, sneak out the side door, and don't love the brethren, there's no evidence you're a child of God. Doesn't matter what you say or think. All these things, we start with faith. We add to our faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, patience. To patience, temperance. To temperance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. I may have reversed those two. I may not have. I need to go look it up. Those are eight things. You know what? If you do these things, you shall never fall. You've made your calling and election sure. That's how we prove it. That's how you know. If you're one of God's elect, and this guarantee is yours. For all those of you that believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, that have given your lives to follow Him and would do anything that He asked, who confess your sins on a daily and more frequent basis than that, I tell you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all things work together for good to you. God has foreknown you, predestinated you, called you justified, and He will glorify you. He's for you. No one can be against you. He gave his own son, so he's fully committed. Everything heaven has is yours. No one can lay anything to your charge. No one can condemn you. No one can separate you from the love of Christ. And nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's face life and death with these verses in our souls. And may Jesus our Lord be magnified by life or by death. Amen. Amen.